Yeah. And I'm like, you get the leads by building a brand and getting in front of people. Yeah. So seriously, stop it. It's not an overnight <laughs> process. Build your brand. Hello and welcome to episode 51 of Rockstar CMO FM. The M is for marketing, the F is for well you decide. As you're probably wondering, does the world need another effing marketing podcast? I'm your host, Ian Truscott, editor of Rockstar CMO, where you can take a hit of marketing street knowledge at rockstarcmo.com and at Rockstar CMO on LinkedIn and Twitter. If you're new to the show, this weekly podcast serves as my excuse to chat with friends, masters, writers, and CMOs I've met through this publication and my career in marketing as a CMO, VP, consultant, analyst at various B2B vendors, agencies, and with my own advisory firm. This episode was recorded on Friday the 26th of February. We're still in lockdown here at the Rockstar CMO Penthouse, and I hope you've had a good week and you are well, safe, and staying as sane as you feel you need to be. Another packed episode this week. In a moment, I'll be chatting with Jeff Clark as we discuss if a marketing trend or technique is a one-hit wonder or wonder wall. This week's interview is with Christoph Trapp, a rock star content marketer, author, and speaker. And finally, I again join Robert Rose as we close the week with a cocktail in the Rockstar CMO virtual bar. Right, let's get started, shall we? On to our first segment. We martyrs love to be down with the cool kids dancing to the latest sound. But will that tune stand the test of time? Each week, my chum, Jeff Clark, Rockstar CMO advisor and former Serious Decisions Forrester Research Director, joins me in deciding if that melting tune, topic or technique or trend that everyone is talking about is a one-hit wonder or wonder wall. Let's find out what's hot or not this week. Welcome, Jeff, back to Rockstar CMO FM. How are you, my friend? I'm doing well. How are you today? I'm doing good, thank you, mate. Uh, very busy. Just launched a website for a client, so a very intense time. So that's always always good. Oh yeah, uh, I sh- yeah. It's, I shouldn't actually describe them as a client anymore because I actually work there. So that's <laughs> <laughs> we're all we're all clients. We're all slaves to a master. <laughs> All right. Um, anyway, let's get back to um, what I think is now lovingly referred to as a side gig, um, Rockstar CMO, and our conversation every week about what is going to be a one-hit wonder or wonderful. Now, we've um, we conjured up a little list, didn't we, of, uh, of the, the kind of buzzwords that are that making it around our wonderful industry. And data-driven uh, popped up, I think, a couple of weeks ago while we were chatting um, and uh, it seems appropriate time to be thinking about that because we've sort of done we've done personalization, we've done agile, we've done um, you know we've done we've touched on data in many of our conversations. So, what say you, sir, about data driven marketing? Well, you know, one of the things that um, that bugs me about the term being thrown around too casually is that is that because I, I just you know it's, to me it's like one of those those um, you know, things just like when we're talking about agile, you, we want to be more agile. We yeah. want to be data driven. Well, yes. Yeah. Okay. So you want to be data driven. Well, that's really nice. Um, but it's 
we also have to realize that just so much of what we do in our decision making is is not data driven. I mean, it's either intuitive, it's biased, it's you know, you know, it's yeah. like you know, would, would we have married the people we married if we were if it was data driven? Um, yeah, you know, do we you know think about the food we're going to eat or all these various decisions? And so, so much of what we do and and so much of what's happened in marketing is is just it's people's intuitions and it's kind of in jumping on trends and let's go account-based marketing yeah. and let's do more digital bubble. And it, it, it's not really thinking about um, the discipline. So this is like some of the other things we've talked about. It's like, okay, you want to be data driven. Let's talk about the discipline of being mm. data driven. And, yeah. and, and, you know, we could go back, you know, for when we all started, you know, any of us started marketing and say, well, so, you know, we were being data driven because I don't know, we were sending out emails and we were looking at response rates or we were, we set up a website like you just did. And we're looking at, you know, increased traffic. So I think there's individual roles in marketing that, that have always been data driven, but if you're trying to get the marketing team to be data driven, then you need to think about, okay, what are the, quantitative goals that we're going to set up that Mm -hmm. drives our thinking and our strategies in marketing. What are the ways that we're going to track against those goals and what's our sort of decision-making cadence to make sure we're correcting to hit goals and, and, and not to say, you know, we're getting too many bounces or too little bounces out of, yeah. <laughs> you get too little bounces out of, yeah, email, yeah. but but not to get into the weeds about the specific tactics, but yeah. you know, what are we doing as a, as an organization or how are we doing to actually, you know, hit those goals? And one of the things that is sort of a, a kind of another, you know, pet peeve of mine about marketing is when you think about almost all the other functions within a, a, certainly a, a profit making organization, um, they are all data driven. Marketing typically is not. So if I'm in sales, I have to hit quotas. Mm-hmm. I, I've mm-hmm. got revenue goals. If I'm in product, I got to hit mm-hmm. deadlines. I got to, I got to, you know, make sure that I'm investing resources in products that that are, you know, uh, profitable. That I'm not losing money. If I'm in finance, I'm I'm looking at. I mean, what finances data is all data, and and so in marketing. It's like, well, you know, I think one of the challenges has been, and maybe this will get in when we start talking about education and training and marketing, this may get into the topic, but it's like, so what are the ways that which we can create quantifiable goals that we set everybody to manage themselves and their teams against so that we can understand what data we need and then, and then you've got this, the, you know, the skills that are required and the technology to actually pull the data together. So you've actually got a data resource that can help you answer those, those questions of tracking against those goals. And then there's the, the training or the enablement that's required mm-hmm. that says, mm-hmm. okay, now that we've set this up, the structure up, we need to make sure everybody knows how to, uh, you know, go get the information, whatever, Mm -hmm. run the tools, reports, interpret it or work with people who are going to, you know, analysts are going to interpret it for them. And, and that is, um, I mean, that is a considerable amount of work. Mm. And, and, and it it takes takes discipline and leadership to get you on a path. And I've, you know, 
I mean, I have to say, um, and I know you can sort of speak for your own experience, but I have to say, I have never uh, worked in a data-driven organization <laughs> or mar- wow. say marketing team. Yeah. I ha- but I have talked, you know, my experience at, at uh, well, my experience is talking to people over the years and at uh, Serious Decisions and Forrester. I certainly did connect with accounts companies that were operating in a data-driven fashion. So it, it, it exists. It happens. Mm-hmm. I've seen it. <laughs> it's That's splendid. Well, I'm not, I, I, people can't see you, but you, you talk very animatedly. And I have to point out your microphone keeps brushing against your thing again. So okay. it's, uh, it's, it's actually brushing against this bit. Um, so, um, so are we back in this situation again where something that's kind of becoming buzzy and people are describing themselves as data-driven marketers and they're, they're, and we're talking about data dri- being data-driven as a discipline within marketing, are we back at one of those things where it is just a capability and skill that marketing just needs and, and, and should be implied and, and shouldn't be a separate thing? Is that what you're saying? It's just, and it's really hard to do if you are, if you do want to be data-driven? I was saying it's, yes, I would say that if, um, if marketing wants to be relevant, and I should maybe say if a marketing team function yeah. wants to be relevant over the long term within an organization, they need to be data-driven. So they yes. need to develop the um, the discipline of setting quantitative goals, understanding what insights they need against to, to measure against those goals, putting the, you know, the data, the skills, mm-hmm. the technology, the people together to help them track that. And this is just like a sales team that needs a good sales ops supporting team and it needs the tools uh, so that they can manage people against quotas. So mm-hmm. and it's not that marketing explicitly has quotas. And in every organization, as we've discussed these various other marketing trends, it, yeah. it's unique. So it's not to say that there's a one size fit all like quotas, like, you know, like profitability or whatever that that is easy to to uh, become data driven in managing yourself against. Um, in some cases, it might be brand. It's all about brand. In some cases, it's about you know generating pipeline and demand. And, and so it's it has to definitely be situational. But um you know, again, I've seen, I've seen it, um, I, I've seen it happen. There was one account um, that I worked with, and we were actually were doing a more of a technology assessment and evaluation. But one of their goals was to build a um, you know, what they would call an analytics stack that that um, enabled all the people in the various roles of marketing to um, uh, look at marketing performance information. In conjunction with sales teams, so if it and their big focus was on comi- mm-hmm. uh, you know, demand and engagement within accounts, they're more of a services organization. So continued engagement in accounts, so they could look at data with sales, uh, you know, as, as sort of at the field marketing level, look at data with sales and understand mm-hmm. how are we at terms of our you know going after new prospects, engaging with existing accounts, et cetera, et cetera, and. Um, one of the interesting things about it, because I know I mentioned the training about mm-hmm. that, was that one of the things that was a concern of the the average workers was that they, it's like, well, this is great if we set up this analytics stack, we get these new reports and stuff like that, and I got somebody I can call, but but I don't have all day, and I need to know where do I get what information that I need to have mm-hmm. my reviews. And so they did a, you know, once they um, put the, uh, sort of the BI platform together and got the report set. They did a ton of training 
And that got the adoption of using the the, the data resources. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, you so know, and, to tooling again, an adoption of tools from a from a Martech perspective. Well, it's a, it's a I mean. It, it, so you can't avoid tools, right? Yeah. Because in this case, because because you need a place to amass the information for tracking performance, uh, mm-hmm. and and you need to be able to, and whether that's you know brand or whether it is about demand or engagement, any of the various you know, factors you're trying to uh, manage against, you need a, a place to put the information and expose that mm-hmm. information at the right level of granularity to um, to the people within the organization. And and again, it's it it's it ain't it ain't easy to do, but it is it is doable. And the tools that we have today are mm-hmm. much better than the tools we had back right. 10, 20, maybe 30 we years need, ago. Yeah, maybe we need to split some of these questions out. So it sounds to me like what you're saying in, in many like many of these conversations, and maybe we've misnamed this segment completely, and and have started on the wrong mission about deciding whether things are. Uh, one hit wonders or wonderballs because many of these things have come into vogue as separate things. So people describe themselves as agile marketers or data driven marketers or growth marketers. But actually, I think in the discussions we've had, is they're all facets of being a marketer. Is that your view? About I mean, you, you said it's difficult to be data to be completely data driven, but is that an aspiration we should have as marketers? Yes. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah, Absolutely. Yeah. And, and it, it's, it's a little bit of a, it's like a little bit like talking about perfection. It's, it's, yeah. it's, you, you may never get there, but the journey to help you get there is what's yeah. important. And yeah, you're yeah. always trying to improve along the way. Yeah. Um, but but yeah, you, I think I'll oh, go yeah. ahead. Now, the only thing I was also going to say, I think there's a counter conversation, isn't there about being data driven and that we sort of, are we, are we now getting so much data and getting so comfortable with the data and then measuring ourselves on metrics that are easy to measure, like things like web hits and, and that kind of stuff and those kinds of vanity metrics that we're actually doing two things. One is we're not, we're not taking creative risks anymore because we're not going with gut feel. It's only what prove that's proven to work. And we start doing the, the automated lazy sloppy shit, like remarketing and stuff where we see, (laughs) Oh my God, I've got a 0.5% click through rate. And that's far more interesting than putting up a billboard somewhere uh, that you can't measure whether somebody sees it or doing something creative, creatively interesting. Do you think that there's a concern that people are becoming perhaps too data driven? Um. Yes and no. So, <laughs> so I'll I'll say the yes in in that um, you can become too fascinated with the vanity metrics, and mm-hmm. and that the vanity metrics what drives your 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 review engine, if you will. But if you're if you're focused at at you know high level goals um, for the organization. So, Mm -hmm. you know, uh, a company that is, um, you know, we were just talking about example about a company, you know, comes out of an acquisition, they got to rebrand, they got to like establish a new, um, you know, cadence of generating demand. They got to engage, re-engage customers. Perhaps they have to engage new customers. So those are all really important things that, that you need to be able to be able to track at how well you're doing Mm -hmm. that. And those are high level metrics that are not down into the, the weeds of the individual tactics. And I think they do enable you to have the discussions about, well, we're not tracking well against those, um, those goals. So now we need to be creative as to how we think we do that. Yeah. And you may not be able to take, you know, it's that 
you know, that billboard advertisement or advertising that you did that you can't, yeah. you, you can't connect specifically to, you know, any particular deal or whatever, but yeah. you know, you can see, I mean, brand is one of those things where it's like, you can see what your, your trends are over time and start yeah. to make correlations with the data that you've got that, that enable you to say mm-hmm. somehow exposures, territories, whatever I'm, I'm seeing an uptick in, uh, you know, favorability, uh, preference yeah. for us. And so that campaign must've worked or that can be campaign didn't work. Nothing seems to be working. <laughs> okay. Now, <laughs> how gotta, now how do we solve the problem? Yeah, and also, uh, yeah, I know. I think really there was um, you were talking about some of the things that are, are fairly difficult to measure, aren't they? I mean, it depends if you're B two B or B two C about figuring some of that stuff yes. out. You just you just mentioned there, um, and but um, so so you do you advocate then that, that that there should be still a level of taking a punt, then, or do you think it's all data driven nowadays? Taking a punt, yeah, just Where? doing something that you main, you know, it's like the conversation we had the other day about attribution. There are going to be things that you're going to do that you won't be able to get the attribution for. So presumably you must in a similar vein, right? Is that we, we as marketers should still be doing things that maybe we can't measure. Or do you think everything's measurable? I I don't. So, you know, I don't think everything is measurable, but again, I'm going to distinguish between at the Mm -hmm. tactic level versus, are, are we as an organization hitting the goals for marketing? Yeah. Okay. So, so eventually you believe that anything that we do as marketers, we will see the impact somewhere and that, and that's, and we just need to measure the right things and not worry too right. much about whether a vanity metric or something to further tactical that we can see. Yeah. It's like, and yeah. then, you know, I think we had, when we were talking about attribution, we were referring back to a conversation yeah. you had with our former boss, uh, Grant mm-hmm. Johnson, who said, you know, I would go to the executive team. I try to understand how do you think marketing is going to provide value? Yeah. Now I need to track the things that help us yeah. demonstrate that value. Can I yeah. always make a direct one-on-one correlation? No, yeah. but, but if I don't try, I'll never get there. And I think, you know, with, data scientists uh this again the right resources the right people the knowledge mm-hmm. that can help mm-hmm. you solve those how do i track this yeah yeah but you, you really got to decide how you're providing value for the organization first that's where it all starts yeah and there's a level of investment isn't there both in terms of effort tools and getting the right um skills from an agency perspective in being able to do the correct measurement as well isn't as quite often that we don't focus too much on that in our marketing budgets in or uh, in our time really we focus yeah. on getting things done and, and, and we yeah. And we get lazy. We get lazy. Mm-hmm. Oh, the PR agency can give us, this is all they can give us. So that's yeah. all we're measuring. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's good. I like that. So, um, I, this tricky one, where, where does this put, um, data driven marketing? Does it put it as a one hit wonder or it doesn't sound like that, but, or it is, is, it a, I, is it a wonder wall? I would say it is a, uh, it's a, it's a wonder wall. It's certainly not a one hit wonder. I would say it's a wonder wall that is, um, yet to really catch on. Wow. That's fantastic. So I don't know what that would be, but it sounds like we're going to be listening to Wonderwall again this week. So that's fantastic. And, um, (laughs) And that's brilliant. Thank you very much for your time again this week, Jeff. Um, I don't think, uh, yes, we've got a list of different topics to discuss. So we'll be returning next week. Should we give a tease of what it is we might discuss next week? 
Well, you know, I think we should say listeners should. Uh, <laughs> I, I know we had we had one yeah, we had set of suggestions, suggestions that yeah. uh, came in, yeah. which we could dig into, like yeah. uh, how's the gig economy treating yeah. marketing and how yeah. does AI affect because we talk about AI, but how let's get into how it affects particular roles. Yeah, those yeah. could be great topics. Um, I like. I also. Um, uh, I, th- there was a great Twitter spat this week uh, with Mark Ritson and um, and somebody else. I can't remember who it was um, we, we, about marketing education. Whether marketers need an education or not, I think is a good discussion. I don't know whether we'd make it, whether we decide whether that was Wonderwall or One Hit Wonder, but certainly that would be a great discussion to have with you. Too. I think that would be a great discussion, and uh, yeah, I don't think it fits into either. Um... <laughs> no, may- maybe maybe a listener might let us know where they want us to go next. Um, but will I? I assume. I hope I will see you again next week. Yes. Excellent. Uh, I'll see you then. And um, and have a great week. Take care. And have a good day. Cheers, Jeff. Today is going to be the day that they're going to throw it back to you. By now, you should have somehow realized what you got to do. I don't believe that anybody feels the way I do about you now. Thanks, Jeff. Data-driven marketing. Is there any other kind? And an essential skill to have on any marketing team, and it's definitely a wonder wall. On to our guest, Christoph Trapp is a content marketer, author, and speaker who helps companies share their unique stories to reach prospects and retain existing customers. Christoph has worked in B2B and B2C journalism and even launched a new successful news site with Eastern Iowa News in 2009. During his career, he has run content marketing campaigns in a variety of verticals and with a mix of businesses including startups and established companies. He has led teams of journalists, content creators, strategists, and designers to successfully drive results. Now he's considered a global top 14 content marketer, top 40 B2B marketer, top 100 CX thought leader, top 5% podcaster, and top 24 digital marketer. His blog, www.authenticstorytelling.net, has been listed as a valuable resource in the marketing industry. And today, he's on Rockstar CMO FM. I hope you enjoy this conversation. Hi, Christoph. Welcome to Rockstar CMO FM. How are you, sir? Hey, doing great. Thanks for having me. No, you're very welcome. So not everybody knows you listen to the show. Well, I mean, a lot of people know you. you're quite popular around the social media, at least that's what I see anyway. So what is it that you do, Christoph? Yeah, so I'm a content strategist, content content marketing executive. You know, how do we tell better stories? How do mm-hmm. we uh, stay in front of people, get in front of people? Currently, my day job, I do content strategy for Vox Pop Me. It's a video survey platform for brands. Mm-hmm. Uh, but of course, I also got AuthenticStorytelling.net, do a, do a couple podcasts, do live streams, um, write books, you know, try to, um, try to help people create better content and stay more relevant. Uh, for their audiences. Yeah, splendid. I mean, as a content guy, you're very welcome here. I don't know. Yeah, I, I can't presume that you, you've listened to the show, but we have uh, we have um, Robert Rose on the show every week, and uh, he's he's like my content marketing guru. Love his stuff. So, so you're a content guy. So, tell us a bit about your journey into content marketing. What lured you in? Because I know that Robert lured me in with his book and some some of those works. What what got you into content marketing? 
Yeah. Always good to hear about Robert. Robert, you know, uh, I've known him for a few years. Great, great guy and thought leader out there for sure. Um, I I grew up in the journalism world, you know, and Mm -hmm. um, uh, went to school to be a sports writer. Never worked a day in my life as a sports writer, (laughs) uh, but worked as a news journalist and investigative Mm -hmm. reporting, public safety. And then, you know, at some point made the move over to corporate communications, corporate marketing. And that's, that's kind of what happened. And then at some point we started calling it content marketing. And I tell you what, good content marketing is kind of like journalism. I mean, it really is, you know, because you tell stories that matter and um, that's kind of how it happened. And and the mediums have evolved over the years, you know, used Mm. to be writing only. Um, Now we do podcasts and live streams and whatnot. So it's just, it's interesting to see how things evolve. And I think that's that's what I'm motivated by. That's why I'm trying to do. What's the medium we need to use? How do we tell the story? How do we get in front of people? And I think any marketer that doesn't do that, yeah, I mean, yeah, at yeah. some point you're going to fail. Yeah. And uh, looking through your LinkedIn profile, I mean, you're, you're pure. I mean, from being a journalist through content marketing, you're not somebody who's just jumped on the content marketing bandwagon recently. So it, it's something that's clearly a passion for you in your, in your marketing <laughs> career. I mean, of course, you know, I've always been a journalistic storyteller. I even got that in my profile there. And I I think content marketing kind of gives you that opportunity, you know. Mm. Yes, you partner with product marketing. Yes, you partner with others. But at the end of the day, you got to tell those stories that help people find you, that help Mm. people connect with you, that help people um, see the value in what you do. Mm. And what do you think is the most important thing when you're advising a client and they're thinking about content marketing and, you know, I keep, you know, a lot of people think the content marketing is the thing that you do. So we're going to produce a video and that's our content marketing strategy. How do you, um, how do you um, approach content marketing with your clients and, and get them on board with this as a strategy rather than just a tactic? Well, first of all, you have to integrate it. And this is one reason why I love live streaming so much mm-hmm. right now. You know, you have to, everything has to kind of feed together. So I'll give you an example. Years ago, we would go interview experts and then we would write articles for them. Yeah. When people say, oh, my CEO, he didn't get his article done. And I'm like, why is your CEO writing an article? You know, have somebody else write the article. Yeah. And same thing now. So what I love about you have to integrate it. So I'll give you an example. Mm-hmm. I do a live stream. Then I yeah. turn that into a podcast. Yeah. Then I turn that into an article. Yeah. Then I might turn that into a chapter of my next book. Yeah. Then I might make a talk out of it. So my point is, you know, don't just create a blog post. Don't just create an ad campaign. Figure out a way to tie it all together. Sometimes you can do it 100% of the way. Sometimes it's 60, sometimes 80. Right. So don't feel like you always have to do it, but throw your content a parade. I mean, that's... Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, that's how you get return on effort for sure. Yeah, yeah. I, mean, I think Ted Rubin, um, uh, he, he tweeted, he, another guy we talk to a lot on Rockstar CMO, um, he, he said, uh, ride your content until the wheels fall off is, is the expression I think he used on Twitter. Like just, yeah. just you know, get all the juice you can out of your content. So I, 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 really, I really like that. And um, and the fact that it's it's a whole lot less effort, isn't it? It's like these people that are producing these random acts of content, these one-off things, then they're then starting again and creating another one-off thing, and you can get so much more bang for your content marketing buck, can't you? 
Yeah. And see, that's, it's just, I mean, you have to use your content everywhere you can. And the other thing too, is you got to remember, there's so many different use cases of what content you need. You know, for example, sometimes the sales team needs different kind of content than a a blog reader, right? So you have to find different sound bites. You have to use different pieces and you have to think about all those things. So it's, it's easier in theory, but there's still a lot of um, uh, balls in the air. And this is yeah. why you need to make the process easier. Mm-hmm. And I know a lot of people disagree with me on this, um, <laughs> but I think content creators need to create in the CMS. If you're writing articles in a Word document or Google Doc, it is not the way to go anymore. Wow. And here's the reason why. I, I, I hate Google Docs now. I mean, and here's yeah. the reason why. If I write on the website CMS, you know what, the, what, what it tells me? Yoast? It tells me. Yeah. Am I on the right track? Yeah. Am I for SEO for readability. I don't get that in Google Docs. In Google Docs, yeah. I don't get anything. Yeah. And then people edit in there. Then you have to copy and paste. You know what happens when you copy and paste? That's when mistakes happen. Yeah. Right. Yeah, so you sure. don't you don't want to have those workflows. You want to make sure those things are easy. Um, and you really can, you know, have people focus on the right things. Oh, my God. That, I mean, that is just amen, because not only am I a content marketing person or considered a content marketing person, um, CMS is actually my bread and butter and what I've what I've spent a lot of my career with. Un- unlike yourself, who's been a pure content marketer all the way through, uh, I come from the content marketing vendor, back, content management back, vendor background. And trying to get users to use the CMS in that way it's really hard. I mean, most people, when they're creating content, will create it in Word or something like that, then pass it around emails. And, that, and then it finally, at some point later, somebody uploads into the CMS and God knows what's happened to it. So, so, so I love that too. Well, um, and sort of onto your process as a, as a, as an, as a writer is you've written books and, uh, you know, I love writing, talking to people who've written books. I, I haven't done one yet, but, and you're on your fourth. Tell about, tell us about that. Your experience as an author. How did you convert this to become an author? Well, so I, I was never going to write one. In fact, it was Joe Polizzi who said to me, you got to write a book, man. And I said, <laughs> why? People can just, can just read my blog. And, and yeah. it's true. They can yeah. But it's a different audience, right? So all yeah. my blog, my books have been blog to book strategy, yeah. um, and what that means, it's not just a collection of blog posts, but it is the base are blog posts. You know, I've mm-hmm. written about it. so. Um, so here we are in in almost March or in March, <clears throat> and in January I decided I need to finish my book on going live. So every and here's the here's the thing: every all these brands are talking about doing podcasts. Yeah, and you know what happens. They do a podcast and they got like 20 downloads and then they go, oh, that's it? Mm. You know, horrible. Mm-hmm. And so it's not horrible when you first start, but it feels horrible. And <clears throat> so I figured out if you live stream your podcast to all these channels yeah. that you build all this time building over the last few years, you can increase your return on effort. Yeah. And so I went to my blog and I looked, how much content do I have? And I had about 27,000 words in the last year of content wow. related to the topic. Yeah, yeah. So I put, all, I put all that together, you know, put it in a chapter format, rewrote. I'm still editing it. I got a yeah. forward from Twitcher Studio. I got a couple contributions uh, from Max Brandstetter and Jeff Koslowski. Yeah. And, you know, so, and, and now I'm publishing it and it's yeah. available for pre order. Same with the other ones. But my point is, not everybody will read your blog. Yeah. Some yeah. people like reading books. Some yeah. people like holding books, mm. you know? 
So that well, you can see standard. behind me, I like owning marketing books, yeah. <laughs> and um, right. and uh, I listen to the. I'm always talking about the marketing book pod- podcast with um, Douglas Burdett. I strongly recommend that to everybody. I'm always tweeting about it, and and I'm always buying marketing books on the recommendation of that particular podcast. And I think you're absolutely right. I mean, there's people that I discover through books I don't discover through through their blogs or whatever, you, you get turned on to it, don't you? And I also like that concept. Um, somebody was talking about this the other day that I was listening to, and they were talking about your body of work, that if you take it more of a considered approach to your blogging, you can write a book. You know, And if you think of it as your body of work and what you're going to create, I think that's fascinating. I love that approach. And, uh, and back to your books, you're, you're on to your fourth, um, and the latest is going live, live stream your podcast to reach more people. Seems really relevant right now, especially as there's so much emphasis on audio, um, you know, with all the buzz about Clubhouse, and maybe you've got a comment about that too. Um, so what? It, two, two things here. What it what was... Um, You've touched on it actually a little bit about what drove you to be to going live. Why do you think that's important? So important for people right now, and um, and what is it? What's your book about? So, I mean, the book is about how do you do it? Why do you do it? How do you you know make it as easy as possible? But I I never planned on doing it. I was on Jason Falls podcast, you know, uh-huh. about a year ago, a little over a year ago. And he had his iPad out and he says, oh, I'm going live on Twitter and look how I do it. I mean, yeah. all this stuff. And I was like, well, what? <laughs> and so, I, you know, I started um, I, I started using SwitcherStudio.com yeah. and basically I tried it. Yeah. And, you know, and you can now you can go live to all these channels at once. You can go on LinkedIn, you can go on Amazon, Twitter, Periscope, YouTube. Yeah, yeah. And so I started doing it. And of course, it, it kept evolving. Right. So now yeah. I got this nice setup. I got a 4K camera, a, yeah. a ring light. A microphone. I used to just do it on my iPad. Yeah. Um, so, and and that's how it started. I had no yeah. intention of doing it, and then slowly but surely, everybody was asking about podcasting. How do you launch one? How do you do yeah. it? I'm like, maybe you shouldn't launch one. Maybe what you should do is do live to podcast to whatever yeah. else. And so that's kind of how it evolved, and um, <clears throat> that's what Jason does. You know, yeah, most of yeah. his live shows or podcasts. Wow. Um, that's what other do, but that's, um, that's been kind of my strategy. And, um, well, if it's good enough for Jason Falls, I think that sounds pretty good. What's, um, uh, uh, and what's the different discipline? Obviously, you know, this is like, uh, the 51st episode of this particular podcast. So I've kind of, you know, I'm figuring it out a little bit. Um, what, um, what's the difference between the discipline of going live? What would you recommend to me from going live to doing it as a podcast? So I think the biggest difference is mm-hmm. that when you do a podcast only that doesn't is not live, you can edit. Yep. And you know, you can't edit That's when you're Saturday live. morning. <laughs> so right. So you can yeah. you can't edit when you're live. Yeah. Now you can still edit out things that you said on the live on mm-hmm. the podcast version. Mm-hmm. But sometimes it seems kind of overkill because if it's already live and hundreds of people saw it yeah, or thousands yeah. of people saw it, yeah. why do you need to edit it out? So, yeah. but, but I do edit some things out. Like if we're just chit-chatting about something totally unrelated, yeah. um, I do sometimes edit that out depending <laughs> I think what's going on. My, most listeners to this will know that I never edit out, out any of the chit-chat. <laughs> so that's some of the oh, feedback yeah. I've had, a little bit too much chit-chat. But um, So I don't fiddle with the interviews. So I might as well have just published it live because I never edit the interviews. It's just the way that I cut things together, add the music and all that kind of good stuff. That's what I do with, with in the edit on a Saturday morning. But yeah. <laughs> 
But but you can do that now on the live. So Switcher just rolled out sound effects, you know. Wow. So for example, you can do a pause or you can do whatever. And so you can <laughs> like you can do the music or if you have yeah. segments, right? Yeah. You can like when the new segment starts before you start it, you just have it fly in something and wow. and do the music. So it's possible if I will say this, if you're the host and the producer, it's a lot of work. Yeah. Because you're yeah. talking, you're listening, yeah. and you're also pushing the buttons and yeah. you can't get quite comfortable. Yeah, I played with one of those platforms last year, but I can't I don't think it was Switch. I was trying to remember what it was called, but exact same thing. And then as the host, you're trying to swap things in, trying to make sure the right things in focus and stuff. So you do need some help with something like that, don't you? You do, and it's it is kind of stressful when I do it. So I try to keep it simple, as simple as possible. But yeah. um, like for the real talk for with Vox Pop, me, I produce it, and they just talk, you know. Right. So yeah. they don't they don't have to worry about it. But um, yeah, it's it's possible. Just don't overdo yeah. it, you know. Yeah, yeah. I think that's the problem, isn't it? You get these new toys, and then you start overdoing it. I know that's what I'm like. What's well, um? So that's that's your book. Um, anything else you want to um say? So does it, what is it? A step by sorry, I I, I, sh- I guess I should have read it, but I don't think it's out yet. Is it? Isn't it coming out? It's coming out pretty soon here, March yeah. 10th at the latest. You can yeah. pre-order it. Um, and um, so, yeah. It, yeah, I'll, link, I'll include a link to it in the show notes and be sure to read it myself. Um, and maybe maybe uh, then I'll ask you some questions once I know more about the topic. Uh, what's um, So that's coming out March 10th. I'll include a link to it in the show notes. Um, I, I also, I touched a little bit there on Clubhouse. You, you a big Clubhouse fan or not so much? Well, I... I kind of laugh at Clubhouse a little bit because everybody's saying that's like the latest thing. And I said, that's not the latest thing at all. We did that in the eighties. Yeah. It's party lines, you know? Um, so I think there is value in it. It's okay to try right now. I'm not prioritizing it because I'm prioritizing Amazon live, especially, um, you know, some of those channels, um, there might be a way to use it. Um, I, I know some people use it, uh, but you know, now we're seeing, um, people are, there was somebody who was just kicked off the platform because he or she was live, uh, he was recording, yeah. you know? Yeah. Yeah. So, so you just can't a reminder. Yeah. 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 Just a reminder. Yeah. If you, if it's online, it's never private, you yeah, know, yeah. even if you think it is. So, yeah. um, I'm not prioritizing it currently. Uh, I know yeah. Mitch Jackson, for example, was on my podcast, the business storytelling podcast yeah. saying you should try it because you can connect with people differently. I mm-hmm. agree you can. Mm-hmm. Um, but right now I'm not necessarily making yeah, it. I, I'm, I'm in the trying phase. I'm trying to listen in. I, it feels to me like I'm, I'm at a conference that I've got no time to go to the sessions of, you know I mean? Like you've got right. to take the time to listen to the right sessions because you know, they're not going to be there. Anyway, I just realized the time. Um, th- thank you very much, Christoph, for, for, for giving it. I've got one more question for you. We have a regular feature on Rockstar CMO called the Rockstar CMO Swimming Pool our portal to health, all the BS snake oil and whatever overhyped trends that plague the industry we love. What would you throw in our Rockstar CMO swimming pool? Well, <laughs> there's plenty <laughs> of trends, but but the thing I think that we really need to throw in the pool is this constant pressure mm. of content. Is content working today? Is it working right now? And here's the thing. Content, when you do it well, still takes some time. I mean, you can ask Robert about that. Yeah. But we have the, is it working today? Is it working? Nothing is working today. The end. Yeah. It takes time. So let's stop the unnecessary pressure. Let's stop all those different things. Just something to keep in mind, you know? Yeah. Um, 
you know, push forward, move forward. Hey, I had a CEO say to me, oh, we don't want to do any content. We just need leads. I'm like, nobody even knows you. He goes, well, I don't care. I just need the leads. And I'm like, get the leads by building a brand and getting in front of people. So seriously, stop it. It's not an overnight (laughs) process. Build your brand, push forward, be relevant for for the people you're trying to reach. That's perfect. And thank you very much, Christoph. I really appreciate you coming on the show. Um, And if people are looking out for you when they spin the dial on the interwebs, where are they going to find you? Yeah, of course, always authentic storytelling.net. The book is available there and, of course, on Amazon as well. And C-Trap on Twitter is always a good place to connect. Yeah, I've I've seen you there. I've followed you for a long time. Thank you very much, Christoph. Uh, I hope to speak to you again soon. Thank you, Christoph. I followed him on Twitter for some time. He shares a lot of great stuff around content marketing, and I will include all his links, including to his new book, in the show notes. As I mentioned, we're still in lockdown here at the Rockstar CMO Penthouse in London, so it's that time of the week to get transported away with a cocktail and join my friend and content marketing guru, Robert Rose, in the Rockstar CMO Virtual Bar. Good evening, Robert. What are you drinking? Oh, hello, my friend. And, and I hope you're staying warm here in the in in, in the uh, throes of winter. We have yes. had a very weird winter here in the U.S. Mm. Um, you know where parts of uh, I don't know how much you've been keeping up with yeah. parts of Texas being you know <laughs> your hometown major disaster areas because yeah. they got a little snow. Um, but they don't normally get it. So, you know, it's, uh, it's a very, very strange thing, but anyway, um, yeah, I, you know, the funny thing is, is that this week, what we're drinking Mm. has nothing to do with, uh, sort of the news of the day, but it's just something I've been, I've quite literally not been able to get a song out of my head, uh, (laughs) all day, uh, and so I named the drink after it, which is uh, a, a, just an old-fashioned love song. Um, uh. <laughs> I, for whatever reason, I have been singing that song nonstop today, mm. and so it's a, it's, it's just an, it's an old-fashioned, right? It's an old-fashioned yeah. with a couple of goofy blueberries to represent, you know, a nice couple. Yeah, uh, and uh, it's a, you know, it kicks us off to a weekend in three-part harmony, right? So. nice there you go and so as an old-fashioned of course it's just bourbon Mm -hmm. and some bitters Mm -hmm. you know your classic old-fashioned yeah if i wasn't um if i hadn't decided 50 weeks ago or 40 something weeks ago that gin and tonic was going to be the drink of choice here um it would be an old-fashioned i i I have uh have bought bourbon bourbon uh bitters and uh yes and and it's it's uh me and my wife's go-to you know when uh, well, well, for us anyway, if we're in, we're staying in a nice hotel or something like that, and we're, we're free of the kids, and we've had dinner, and and it's our cocktail sit there, just us two. We have an old fashioned. I love an old fashioned. Yeah, that's how I judge a great bar is is the quality of their. Oh own. yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, there's sometimes they spend so much time making the fucking thing. Like, oh yeah. <laughs> oh yeah. There's that too, right? Where it's like it's like. It's like that scene. Uh, it's it's the. It, do you remember the scene in Love Actually where he's like, 
yeah. he, he's packaging up the, the, the bracelet and he's like, just a, one more flourish. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and I think bars considered, I think they, they do it on purpose because they know they're being judged on how well they make an old-fashioned and, the, and the, 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 the lighter comes out to light the orange peel and the bits and the muddling goes on for about an hour and a half. <laughs> That's right. Please. Yeah, it's, it's, Please. It's, a, it's amazing. It's amazing the amount of craft that can go into a simple old-fashioned, yeah. yeah. Yeah, just 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 give me just give me half a lager for while you're doing that. (laughs) (laughs) Well, so I I will tell you, I have done that before. Yeah, I have done that before because because especially in a bar that I know they take a long Mm -hmm. time, Mm -hmm. I will say, give me a beer to start with, (laughs) um, and and then go make me a special old fashioned, right? You know, yeah, yeah. And by the time the old fashioned comes, you're you know you're you know especially after a long day where you want you're going to just unpack that first beer. Yeah, you know, yeah, it can be a perfect way to, to time things. Yeah, yeah. When I was, um, we just have a oh, drink too much. Is that is that that sounds like? <laughs> <laughs> well, I've got a, a similar story. I used um, when I was first traveling uh, as a consultant years in the beginning of time, um, and and I was with you know my more, more experienced colleague. And we, we had a client in Hamburg and we used to go there a lot. And the lady behind the bar of the hotel that we stayed in all the time realized that we, we were impatient for her pouring her Dunkel beer, you know, the big dark beers that they do. And, uh, and so she would always like do two little beers for us when we came in the bar and give them to us so that she had time to pour the big one. (laughs) (laughs) Anyway, so, uh, you were making an old fashioned, um, I shall obviously look at the uh, ingredients on my bar and try to rustle up a similar thing. I, did you put any ice in your old-fashioned? Uh, yes, of course. One big rock, if you've got it. Yeah. Uh, I, had two, I had two smaller ones stuck together. Does that count? Yeah, fine. <laughs> I, you know. What, what, <laughs> at this point, uh, my friend, it's whatever you got. You know? <laughs> yeah, you, you, you've seen this show before. <laughs> Yeah, uh, let me see. Yeah. I got. I have indeed. I got, got a Bombay sapphire. Let me just uh, slurp yeah. a little bit of that. That's in good. Ooh, nice. Slightly like. Ooh. I'm actually doing it this time, Robert, because it's Friday evening here. Yeah, there you <laughs> so go. So let me see what. Uh, and um, and and you sort of muddled in some bitters, didn't you? Well, of course. Yes. Well, I think I'll stick some tonic in then. <laughs> <laughs> Perfect. Ooh, there's some nice long gin and tonic. I mean, uh, old fashioned. Let me give that a try. That uh, did I? I did. I did. I did mention Bombay Sapphire, didn't I? As we you look did, for indeed. for alternative sponsors for the show. Oh, that's delicious. I do love an old fashioned. I could drink these every week, Robert. How do you do it? <laughs> <laughs> It's it's consistency, my friend. It's all about consistency. It is. It is. Yeah, and they're consistently good. Um, yes. And where, I mean, I, I've drank Old Fashioned in various locations. Where would you prefer to drink these? Where are you going to transport us to from lockdown? You know, I think um, we're going to go, we're going to head up north today mm-hmm. um, from where I live, not from where you live. Um, uh-huh. And because uh, uh, good Lord, we don't need more of that. Um, so, uh, you know, one of the places that I have had one of the best old fashions is in San Francisco. 
Um, uh, and um, there are some great hotels. Um, mm. And of course, the Drake being one of the better ones um, yeah. in San Francisco. Classic, iconic hotel. Yeah. And the bar there is is uh, really just fabulous. And so I think we're there. We're yeah. It's a good know, choice. In San Francisco, enjoying a wonderful old fashioned in the yeah. hotel lobby. Yeah, I believe. I've, yeah, I think I've. I never, obviously, haven't stayed there. I've, 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 I've been in there and had a drink. And what a wonderful choice! I love that. So we, um, you know, aside from commenting about the weather because it's a very British thing to do, but it's very mild here, by the way. Um, we had a sunny day. Um, I guess uh, the conversation would turn to marketing eventually. What would we be discussing this week? But. Well, do you know what? It's interesting because the thing that I have had on my mind is uh, Zoom meetings. Um, and, you know, I'll, I'll, on your I'll, mind. I'll, I'll let your imagination, uh, you know, run wild as to why I'm thinking about Zoom meetings these days. Um, uh-huh. But the interesting thing is so here's, I mean, it, it reminds me of an old joke um, that uh, I heard many, many moons ago when I was, when I was working in a comedy club, actually. Mm-hmm. which is, um, you know, have you ever lost your keys? You've lost your keys before, I suspect. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and so when you lost your keys, you walk around telling yourself, you know, well, they can't be here. And then you look there anyway. Um, and then you <laughs> tell yourself, well, they should be here. And then you've looked there four times and they're mm-hmm. not there. And at some point you sort of throw up your arms and you say to nobody in particular, I know they're going to be in the last place I look. And, and, and of yeah. course, the answer to that is, well, duh, yeah, they're going to be in the last place you look, because why would you keep looking for them once you found them? Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Um, and so but I, I, I was I, I was reminded of that joke because I was talking with a, a colleague about um, creative brainstorming and how it sort of evolved on Zoom. Mm-hmm. And he was struggling, this, uh, this uh, director of marketing, with their they were having these creative brainstorming meetings. And since they'd moved to this virtual format, they said, you know, it's been really hard to generate creative ideas because of the zoom virtual setting. Mm. And, and so, uh, they were thinking of making these meetings and did actually make these meetings shorter and made more of them to sort of maybe make up for the zoom fatigue. Um, that is a real thing for sure. Oh, well, God, yes. Yeah. And, and so, but interestingly and ironically, actually, um, is, and that's when I told them the story of the keys, by the way, I said, you know, you know, their creative, you know, ideas are not keys, yeah. right? You need to keep continuing to look for them even after you found one. Yeah. And so I did a little research after this, after our conversation to see, you know, if that guess about moving them to shorter, more frequent time periods would be the right move. And as it turns out, it's not. Um, And in fact, there's research to back this up where there's this thing that they call the creative cliff, which is people, we humans, we wrongly believe that our creativity declines during a meeting as in, in sort of correlation with our mental energy. And it's why in many long creative sessions or meetings, why we often settle for our whatever idea we come up for first. In other words, we stop looking for keys when we've got this new idea because finally we got something, we're done, right? You know, know, I've got a creative idea and we're done. Yeah. 
And what the research actually says is, no, 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 you actually, the creativity tends to stay the same or even improve. However, two things have to be true. One is the meeting participants need to be aware of this. In other words, you need to teach them and make them aware that creativity is going to stay the same or even improve as you maybe get into mental fatigue. And two, you need to be of a mindset to create as many ideas as you possibly can in that, in that, uh, in that, mm-hmm. in that setting. And so we sort of came to this conclusion of it wasn't about creating more zoom sessions that were shorter. It was actually about delaying them and making them much longer. In other words, doubling the length and having much fewer of them. And so, and he did that. And interestingly, he reported back to me that it's much, much better. They're having much more success with this because they're actually having much more creativity by, in other words, not doing them every week, doing them once a month, but then doubling the length of them so that they're really long sessions and they're getting a ton more value out of it. So it was just a really insightful way to look creative brainstorming. That's interesting because, um, because we're doing meetings differently, aren't we? Because they're on Zoom. There's no sort of you can't make coffee, have comfort breaks. They're 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 quite intensely meetingy, aren't they? So, is it that because he's lengthened it, they've the sort of pressure of the meeting is released? And does does that does he let his do people are they able to leave the Zoom, come back in? You know, like you. I mean, if you were in a conference room for two hours, you'd pop out for restroom or grab a coffee or something wouldn't you do you think is it is it something around that i think it's both right i Mm -hmm. mean i think it's one because the other thing that they did of course was is that they informed the team that this was the case right they sort of said this is why we're doubling the length and having the the you know the the frequency Mm -hmm. and um so i think it's both the expectations and preparation that you do for a 30 minute zoom meeting versus a three hour zoom meeting. Yeah. Um, and, uh, and two, I think it's also because you restructure naturally and, and they did it purposely. You when you have a three hour zoom meeting, you do restructure it so that, you know, people can get up and walk away from their screen and go to the restroom and they can go get a coffee and they can do some of the things, you know, when you're 30 minutes together on zoom, you're like, okay, we only got 30 minutes together. Let's focus. Right. And it's, and and you're looking at the screen and you're not multitasking, but when you've got three hours, you know, maybe in a creative brainstorming, you're not multitasking, but it's okay to take five minutes to go to the bathroom or, you know, or, or go get a cup of coffee or whatever you're doing. Yeah. Plus that, I mean, in the context of your day, and I, I know from talking to you just before you, you popped on is that, um, the intensity it's not just that 30 minutes is it? it's the 30 minutes that's before it was the 30 minutes before that it was the you know the fact that well indeed yeah that's you the, arrive that, at four o'clock and you yeah right that's the fatigue it's the back-to-back yeah. of yeah. constantly pivoting topics and subjects and people and being yeah. on camera and doing yeah. that you know is the, that's the hard part you yeah. know sitting at a zoom meeting with your friend for 30 minutes is child's play yeah. But sitting on 30 minutes with your friend after you've spent the last six and a half hours in Zoom meetings becomes, yeah. you know, yeah. interminable. 
Yeah, yeah, and that, that's really, I've, and I think that's really interesting. The thing you're saying there about the pivot, because you are going from one meeting to another without there isn't even a walk down the corridor to think about the next meeting. It is instantly hang up, sign in. You're now your mind has to move from the the task, the previous task, to the new task without any kind of reflection. That's right, and it does allow because it's a, again a longer meeting yeah. it allows those that are coming off of something like that to ease their way into it as yeah. well right because it's yeah, going to be yeah. 3 hours they don't have to be immediately on and yeah. prepped and ready yeah. to go for the first yeah. 20 minutes that's like hey guys i just got you know start the meeting and then the first yeah. thing somebody says is hey guys i just got off of two back to backs i'm going to go get a cup of coffee and i'll be back right yeah, I'm exactly. quiet for 20 minutes just so i can reset yeah. and that is to me, that's a really refreshing thing as well. Yeah, we're trying some different stuff, like booking forty-five minute meetings. Yep, that's um, a, a key thing is to yeah. book those forty-five or or basically just after the hour or yeah. whatever to give people a chance to, to yeah. have a break. Yeah, and um, and yeah, and with, so it, we're just we're just noticing exactly the same thing about the um, the, the Zoom fatigue and having to, having to having to switch and trying to make those changes. So I think, and and also like the other. On, sorry, I'm babbling. Uh, I was on a Zoom call last night, and we're launching a new website. Been a very intense week. Zoom call, Zoom call, Zoom calls, and then the Zoom call opened, and it was with some executives. And the Zoom call started very slowly. Everybody chatting, introducing themselves, and I'm my mind was running at a million miles an hour because I had these deadlines to go, and I found it really hard. That why are they taking so long? But of course, once I took a breath and like eased into the meeting it was you know we're forgetting all that stuff we're just hustling and we've got to like spend the first 10 minutes just chatting about the weather or whatever it is right uh, to make to make things better but that's how that sounds like so so um the, so the thought for this week that we're gonna um as we sip these wonderful drinks is about how we we get creative over zoom and let's hope that soon we don't have to worry about that but that's a very good thought thank you very much robert Hmm. And uh, is this something you've written about on your wonderful blog before? <laughs> it is. It, I, you know, um, I will tell you the interesting thing is, is that I have been a little remiss over updating my blog over the last yes. couple of months, or not months, but a couple of weeks, yes. um, as we have been uh, busy with client work. So that is not an excuse. It is simply mm-hmm. an explanation. But yes, we have talked about the certainly the creative brainstorming and, and that sort of thing before yeah. on our on our wonderful website, which of course is contentadvisory.net. And also this week, weren't you um, involved in a, an event? Is it something that people can re-see or go to or what, what were you up to this week? Oh, this week? Well, I did speak at uh, an event called Digital Summit. Mm-hmm. Uh, which was a uh, it's an event that is now virtual is usually mm-hmm. all over the world. Actually, they have digital summits in London and here in the US and all over the place, actually. Yeah. Um, and um, this year was uh, again, because of the obvious was mm-hmm. fully virtual. And so I was uh, I was one of the sessions there and I I'll be quite honest with you. I don't know that they're making the <laughs> archive available or not. I suspect they are for those who pay for the conference, but, um, yeah, well, I'll put it to you this way. If you just were to 
like look at any of my other content, you would get the gist of what I. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I, 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 it suddenly popped into my head, and then realised I hadn't done any of the research because I I was listening to your podcast this morning, and you were talking about doing the event, so I should have done a bit more research. And when, uh, if people do want to know where you're going to be presenting next, I guess is the right way to segue into this, and they spin the dial on the interwebs, where will they find you? (laughs) Well, unfortunately, I tend to be the worst self promoter of all time but, but, <laughs> but were i to actually promote myself and where i'm speaking next i would do yes. so on my social channels which are uh, of course on linkedin and twitter robert underscore rose on twitter and then linkedin however they do their urls i am yes. uh, I am, uh, uh, well, actually, I'm Rob Rose there on LinkedIn, which nice. is its own story. But yeah, there you go. Oh, well, that's for another week. And talking about the weeks, can I, will I see you in the bar next week, sir? You will indeed, my friend. I look forward to it. Thank you very much. Thank you, Robert. Some useful tips there. If you feel all zoomed out. The event he spoke at this week was Digital Summit at Home, and he and Joe Polizzi will be live on Clubhouse this Wednesday at noon Eastern, and I will include all these links in the show notes. So that's a wrap on episode 51 of the Rockstar CMO Effing Marketing Podcast. Thank you for dropping a dime into your podcasting jukebox, selecting our track and jiving along with us. I hope you enjoyed the show. Thanks again to Jeff, Christoph and Robert. Please check out their links in the show notes. Click them, follow them, take a look at their work and share it. I really appreciate their time. You can find the show notes on your favorite podcasting platform or our brand new website for this podcast, rockstarcmo.fm, where you can also find all our previous episodes. So... Does the world need another effing Martin podcast? Well, we've crept into the top 25% of podcasts by downloads and starting to make it onto some of those marketing charts. So it'd be great if you could help. Please leave a review, subscribe, share, get in touch, or just keep listening. I'm glad you're here. Next week, Jeff and I will pick a new topic and decide if it's a one-hit wonder or wonderwall. Robert Rose will be back in our Rockstar CMO virtual bar, and I'll be catching up with Ian Lowe, who returns to tell us about his new CMO gig at Essential Accessibility. Until then, I've been your host, Ian Truscott, and I hope you'll again join us next week here at Rockstar CMO FM. You may know you're listening to this show along the Marketing Podcast Network, but did you know there are other great shows on MPN to help your business? Christy Heiler hosts a fantastic podcast called Own It. Christy, tell us more about the show. Own It is all about celebrating women and non-binary advertising agency owners. We talk about buying out of the Boys Club of Advertising because less than 1% of ad agencies are owned by women. And where can people subscribe? You can find the podcast at untilyouownit.com. We're also on the Marketing Podcast Network at marketingpodcast.net. And of course, you can subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. You heard her. Go subscribe. This podcast is heard along the Marketing Podcast Network. For more great marketing podcasts, visit marketingpodcasts.net.